Well, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, Crossroads. Uh, My name is Lance. I'm the creative arts pastor here. It's my pleasure to be here with you this morning uh, as we continue in this escape room series. And I hope so far that this series has been helpful to you as we take kind of a more in-depth look at these important topics of anxiety and depression and mental health. Each week, we're examining a different lie that we believe that can hold us feeling trapped, right? Like our hope is that by shining the light of God's truth into the darkness of our lives, that we can start down the road toward health, healing, and hope. And I want to acknowledge right away that anxiety and depression are multifaceted issues. They affect us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And because of that, we want to make sure that we look at this with a very holistic approach, right? We do not want to oversimplify this very complicated and nuanced subject and boil it down to some basic formula. Some of you may be here today and you're battling anxiety or depression. And I just want to say right now that we recognize that this is not going to be a battle that is won in a half an hour on Sunday, okay? But... Our hope is that if we can better understand the challenges of anxiety and depression, that we can begin the journey of escaping into the strength and peace that God offers us. And today we're going to be looking at this third lie, we're in the third week of the series, and it's a lie that can hold us captive in anxiety and depression, and that's the lie that I can't slow down. Now here in Silicon Valley, I think most of us probably feel this way. Right? Like when we wake up in the morning, we already feel like we're behind. Okay? Uh, We've got meeting overload. Many of us have to travel for work. You got to take the kids to their sport performance, recital, whatever. And then it takes you 45 minutes just to get from one end of town to the other. And that's time you're never going to get back. And God forbid you have a desire for a social life because who has time? And sleep? My favorite phrase when it comes to sleep, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I think most of us feel a lot like this hamster right? You're just running, and we got a hands, there he is. He's, you're just running, and then life just throws you off, right? Boom, you're done, out of here, just like you got hit. Or, or maybe you feel a little bit more like this guy, right? Maybe you're with your team at work or your family, and it seems like everybody's just running ahead of you, okay? And you're trying to keep up, and you're just holding on for dear life. You're just trying to hold on, and everything keeps going, and it won't stop. And then eventually life hits, and you get flung off, and what do we do? We get right back on, right? Friends, even in those moments when you haven't been thrown completely off, everything else is still just going a million miles an hour, and we're just trying to make it. That's what it feels like when we believe this lie that we can't slow down. And this can impact our health in huge ways. Uh, It's partly why we get so emotionally uh, run down and feeling depressed. We feel frantic. We start struggling with anxiety. We completely lack peace all because our physical limitations are being pushed to the brink by our unrealistic and unsustainable pace of life. And this affects other areas of our life as well. This exhaustion takes its toll on our relationships. More often than not, it's the people that are closest to us who feel the brunt of our anxiety and shortness, isn't it? And I want to make this clear right at the top. This is not meant to be a guilt trip. Okay, the goal of this message is not to make you feel bad for struggling with the issue of not being able to slow down. But rather, it is an attempt today to help bring some hope and maybe walk away with some practical ways that we can redirect ourselves toward health and rest. 
I am not speaking to you today as someone who has it all together in this area. I am not an expert with all the answers. In fact, when it comes to this particular issue, I am chief offender number one. Okay? So today's message is as much for me as it is from me. Here's the truth, friends. I'm exhausted, okay? I feel a lot like the hamster on that wheel. I have been running hard and fast for a really long time, and I feel like I am just barely hanging on. I know that I am not living with healthy balance in my life right now. Even just in the last few weeks, I've been leading the incredible team that's put together our escape room events. Uh, And can we just give them a round of applause really quick? Uh, Yes, they have done an amazing job. Uh, If you have not done one of the escape rooms yet, today is your last chance. Okay, there are still a few openings, so you can go on your phone and register, or after the next service, just come over and you can, like, ride standby, as the case may be, Uh, but today's it. They're done after today. Anyway, I digress. Uh, There have been a lot of meetings and deadlines here at the church. I've been doing a couple of weddings. I'm serving as a volunteer for the music program at my son's school, and I have been battling some severe discouragement because I just feel so run down and tired and like I'm not doing anything very well, and I can't give all of my attention to any one thing because I'm just spread so thin. And if I'm being honest, which I am, this isn't the first time I've found myself in this position. In fact, I've spent long seasons of my life in this place, more than I'd care to admit. And it leads me to wonder, what is it inside of me, inside of each of us, that drives us to believe this dangerous lie that we can't slow down. And I'm just going to speak from my own experience here. There are a number of factors, and I'm just going to hit these really quickly, okay? Uh, The first one is culture and society, right? It feels like the Bay Area in general encourages this type of lifestyle. It's common. It almost seems to be required to live around here, okay? Uh, Our upbringing, plays into it. I was raised in a keep busy environment, uh, being actively involved in something outside of the home and school. Uh, Getting a job when I was old enough was practically required for me. Uh, Fear of rejection, okay? This is a big one. My acceptance is based on my performance. If I don't win, they won't like me. I can't let anyone down because they won't be happy with me. Fear of failure. I'm only as good as my latest success. If I fail or what I'm working on fails, it reflects directly on me as a person, my worth, my value onto the team or family. Low self-worth or feelings of inadequacy. I am not enough. Others are better, younger, faster, smarter, more creative. I have to work harder than everyone else to prove my value and that I deserve to be here. Arrogance and pride. I'm the only one who can do it or do it right. If I don't, then who will? Or maybe it's avoidance. If I slow down, I'll have to deal with all the unresolved issues of my past. I'll hear those voices again. It'll all come flooding back. Maybe you can relate to one or more of those in your life. But whatever the root cause or causes may be, we find ourselves in battle with this terrible feeling that we can't slow down lest the lives that we've worked so hard to build come crumbling down around us. So, with that said, let's start to shift 
and look at God's word and uncover two practices to slow down for our health. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this story of, First King, uh, of Elijah, which we find in 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we've read through this story over the last few weeks, so I'm just going to quickly summarize it for those of you uh, who weren't here. It is printed in your outline if you'd like to read it, uh, but here's the story. Elijah's a prophet. He's basically like God's spokesman uh, to the nation of Israel, okay? He's carrying God's message to the people. He's performing miracles, doing big stuff, right? Cool deal. But after one of these big moments, the queen basically threatens to kill Elijah, and just like that, Elijah goes from riding high to sinking low, Okay, he starts to slip into depression and despair, which isn't necessarily an irrational reaction when someone in power threatens to kill you. Uh, But in any case, Elijah is on the run. Okay, he's running in desperation and anxiety and depression. And what does he do in these verses? If you're looking at it on your outline or you remember from the weeks before, he sleeps, right? And then he eats and then he sleeps and he eats again. Does that sound really nice to anybody else right now? (laughs) Just like sleeping and eating. Uh, And I think it's really important that we see this. He simply rested. And God blessed that. And that is significant. Do you know that there is a direct connection between depression and anxiety and sleep? And I did not know this, but a lack of sleep can actually make you more susceptible to depression. And the right amount of sleep, not too much, not too little, plus exercise, is enough to alleviate most mild to moderate forms of depression. Sleep and rest have a huge impact on our overall health. In preparation for this message, I came across an article about sleep deprivation. And it had this little, like, quiz, this sleep deprivation quiz in here. And I thought we could take this quiz together, okay? So here we go. This may help you to identify if you are sleep-deprived. Are you guys ready? Here we go. You may be sleep-deprived if you need an alarm clock to wake up on time. You have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. You feel sluggish in the afternoon. You get sleepy in meetings, lectures, or warm rooms. That's why we keep it cold in here, FYI. Uh, Need to nap to get through the day. Fall asleep while watching TV or relaxing in the evening. Or feel the need to sleep in on the weekends. How dare you? Okay, so according to this survey, who's sleep deprived? Liars! Every hand! Come on! (laughs) Every hand, right? Yes, everybody. And maybe the first time you're like me, you hear this list and you go, well, that's dumb, right? And why do you think that? Because you answered yes to every single one of them? No, I think this is what we do, right? Somebody points out an area of unhealth in our lives and we go, that's dumb. Because we don't want to believe it, right? We don't want to admit it. But listen to what it says the side effects, or rather the effects, of sleep deprivation can be in our lives. And some of these are really serious. Check it out. Effects of sleep deprivation. Fatigue, lethargy, lack of motivation. Moodiness and irritability. Do not elbow your spouse. Do not do that. Increased risk of depression, impaired brain activity, reduced creativity and problem-solving skills, difficulty making decisions, uh, inability to cope with stress, difficulty managing emotions. Someone's going to start getting a lot of sleep after these next two. Premature skin aging. Okay? Forget the lotions. Sleep more. And weight gain. I'm about to start sleeping 18 hours a day, okay? 
Increased risk of serious health problems, including stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and certain cancers. This almost sounds like one of those like strings at the end of the pharmaceutical commercials, right? Friends, these are the effects of the lack of sleep in our lives. But why does this surprise us? We push our body past its reasonable limits, and then we wonder why we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally off kilter. Because we are. Friends, God made us to sleep. He made us require rest. And he modeled this for us very early on in the Bible, right in the creation story, in Genesis chapter 2. Check it out. It's in, the, in your notes and on the screens. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he what? Rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Friends, this is why we must prioritize rest in our lives. And I think most of us would say, like, this is basic. We get it. We know this, right? Even though our actions may not necessarily reflect it. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror when I say that. We struggle with this truth. But we know if we've got to slow down for our rest, we have to prioritize, or we're going to slow down for our health, we have to prioritize rest, right? We have to shift our mindset around this issue of rest. See, I think what happens is that we start to believe that our spouse, our kids, our family, our friends, our boss, our team, everyone is counting on us, right? That we have to take care of everyone else first before we can start to think about ourselves, but here's this critical mindset shift we need to make, and it's this, I can't do well for others if I don't do well for myself. I can't take care of anyone else if I'm not taking care of myself first. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, when you're on a plane and they're doing that safety briefing before you take off, and they say, at one point, an oxygen mask may fall from the ceiling. You guys know what I'm getting at, right? What do they say? Put your oxygen mask on first before you help someone else, right? Put your mask on first. And why do they tell you that? Because you are no help to anyone if you cannot breathe, right? You are in the way if you are dead, Okay? Corpses are not helpful in an emergency situation. We must first make sure that we are healthy so that we can be a help to others. If I'm worn out and tired and depleted and anxious and depressed, how much help can I really be to anybody else? Not a whole heck of a lot. We've got to focus on getting ourselves healthy first. Man, am I struggling with this right now. I have been pushing hard for too long. I'm not getting enough rest. In fact, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I'm doing such a poor job of this that even the computer software we use here at the church is telling me that I have a problem. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Check out this email I received the other day from Microsoft. Notice that it says, I, worked, uh, or I checked work-related email, had a meeting or a phone call related to work outside of normal working hours, Every single day last month, with the exception of four days, which they refer to as quiet days. Um, just for clarity, I am not proud of that, okay? Like, I recognize this is not good. In fact, you know it is so bad that even artificial intelligence is telling me to get my life in order. 
When a machine tells you you're working too hard, it's time to listen. Just FYI. So how do we make this critical mindset shift? What are some key principles that we need to apply in order to prioritize rest for ourselves? I think one is it's very important that we know your patterns. Know your patterns. Like what happens leading up to those high stress and emotional low periods? Uh, what happens when you feel unhealthy and depressed, etc.? Find the pattern. We all have patterns, right? I didn't sleep enough. I didn't take enough time off. I, I'm always on. Find whatever that pattern is in your life so that you can identify it and then be proactive in your physical health and rest. Being proactive, it means taking steps in advance, right? Preparing for busy seasons before they happen. Think of it like investing in your health account, investing in your health account. Like just like you need to put money into an emergency fund or a retirement account, you need to bank up personal health in your health account. If you are continually investing in your health, then you have that reserve to push a little harder for that season because you have something in the tank. You're not already running on fumes. Friends, I want to ask you, what are you doing on an ongoing basis to proactively invest in your rest and physical health. If you're anything like me, you may not have a great answer to that question right on the top of your head. But here's how we do this. We try identifying that one key habit or behavior that contributes towards your overall health and happiness. For some, maybe it's a daily walk outside in the sun. Maybe it's reading a good book. Maybe it's going to a movie. Maybe it's enjoying that particular milkshake that you like so much. Maybe it's just relaxing in an easy chair or a hammock. Whatever it is, identify that one keystone thing that recharges and refuels you and then do it consistently, okay? Because we know that sometimes just living life is hard work. And so we've got to resolve to work hard. But we also have to resolve to rest hard. Work hard and rest hard. Now, let me be clear. This is not a license to be lazy. Laziness will be your undoing. But we have to make the decision to pay ourselves and our families back after those push seasons. Because it happens, right? You get that deadline or a big project at work. Something comes up that requires a little extra time from you. Make the plan in advance. Have that family vacation already on the calendar so that you and your family have something to look forward to when that push season's done. For the first time in, since I can remember, I'm taking two consecutive weeks off. <laughs> Thank you. At the beginning of December, which if you know anything about the church world, that timing sucks. Uh, but sometimes there is no good time right? But this is what I have to do to prioritize my health and my family. And so I'm using all the vacation days I have left. Yes, all of them. And that's what they're there for, right? For us to use. Uh, I don't know how it works at your workplace, but I don't get like some magical vacation payout at the end of the year if I don't use it. They just go down the garbage disposal. Friends, we have them. Use them. They're there to help you and they're there to recharge and restore you. Many times our body is giving us the clues that we need to e exit the escape room of life when we feel trapped. 
We have to prioritize rest. Okay, back into the story of Elijah. He sleeps under the tree. He sleeps, eats, sleeps, eats. Then God sends him on this 40-day journey, right? He prepares him first. He rests ahead of time so that he's ready for the big push, right? He goes to this 40-day journey. And now let's pick it up in verse 9. Check it out. The Lord says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, Lord, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're coming after me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. Pause there for a second. Elijah says, God, I am killing it over here. I am working my tail off. I've done this, that, and the other thing, and everyone I'm working with is dead, right? Maybe it feels like that in your workplace, right? You look around the cubicles, and everybody's dead, okay? Uh, I'm the only one left, and those guys are trying to kill me too, And notice what God says here. He does not say, okay, Elijah, here's the plan. Do this checklist. Go do this, do this. No, God doesn't say that. He doesn't add more things to Elijah's list. What he says is just come be in my presence right now. Just stand before me on the mountain. I think that's important to note. Okay, let's keep reading. This time from verse 11. So as Elijah stands there, The Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hits the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I wonder if this was in California. (laughs) And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak. He went outside and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then he hears the voice of God and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Have you ever had that moment in your life when you are desperate to hear from God? Have you ever been in that place where you are crying out for relief and you don't know where else to go, so you look to God? I wonder if maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you or you saw an ad for one of our events online and you thought, well, I tried everything else and it's not working, so I guess I'll give this a shot. And if that's you today, I am so glad that you're here. And friends, let me tell you, you are not alone. Many of us in this room, our journey started much in the same way. And in this moment... Elijah is desperate. He stands there and he sees God show up in full force. A wind that destroys the side of the mountains. An earthquake that shakes the land. A fire sweeps through the valley. Yet none of these supernatural acts of God were the relief and the word from God that Elijah needed. But it was in the sound of a gentle whisper where God met Elijah. Hearing this whisper, God would speak truth into Elijah's desperation. And in the verses to come, God would reveal to Elijah that he was not all alone. In fact, next week, we're going to be hearing from Pastor Mike about the fourth lie, I'm all alone. Make sure you're here for that. But right now, I want you to think about the pace of our lives. In your desperation to hear from God, is there space to hear the gentle whisper from God in your life? 
Some of us, we're pushing so hard right now that we might not even notice the earthquake if it happened, let alone a whisper. The second practice to slow down for health in our lives is to pace for space. Friends, we have to pace for space. If we don't leave enough room in our lives to breathe, we're probably not leaving enough room or space to hear from God either. Our pace impacts our ability to really listen to and hear from God. And this issue with our pace, it's not due to a lack of tools and product re- productivity resources. Lord knows there are plenty of those. The issue with our pace is in our behavior. Our issue with our pace is due to a lack of perspective and trust. Friends, we have to adjust the way we think. We need another mindset shift. God's presence is greater than, more important than, my productivity. So often, I think we get this reversed. I know I do. We focus more on our productivity than on our connectivity to our Creator. But just as we are more productive when we are working from a place of rest, so are we also more productive working from a place of connection to God's presence. Here's how this works. There's a little chart for you on your outline. Our pace determines the way that we approach God's presence, right? Like how much time we spend in God's presence, when we do it, how we do it, all that. Our pace determines that. But... Our connectedness to God and his presence helps direct and determine our priorities, right? And then, of course, what we prioritize dictates our pace. So it's cyclical, okay? When we pace for space, when we intentionally and purposefully spend time with God, that helps us to slow down, to refocus, reprioritize, and set a healthy pace. Now, let me say this another way. And before I say this, I want you to hear that I find this statement just to be as powerful and convicting as anyone else in this room, okay? Do you believe that God is still working while you are resting? Do you believe that God is still working even when you're resting? This is where faith comes in. We have to trust. We have to believe that God is God and that he will fill in the gaps in our lives. We have to trust him. We need to acknowledge that God moves and works not only in our action, but also in our rest. And almost always in our weakness. We must have faith that what he promises is true, and that if we do the right priorities, he will produce the right results in our lives in accordance with his perfect will. So to pace for space, there's a few key principles that we can practice, okay? We need to inventory our habits. Inventory our habits. We we do this by kind of doing an evaluation, right? Like, what do you do first every day? 
is the first thing you do when you wake up, pick your phone up off the nightstand and check your texts or emails or anything. Talk about an immediate way to kill your day, okay? Don't do it. Uh, are you doing better than me and taking at least one day off every day or every yeah, one day off every day? We need that. Uh, I can tell you where my mind's at. Uh, are you taking one day off every week to not touch work, to be completely disconnected, right? We need to do that. Do you have a daily time to create space for God to speak to you? Are there any rhythms of silence or peace built into your day? We have to inventory those habits throughout the day that are killing our space. And then take them out back and shoot them. <laughs> There's just something cathartic about that, right? Uh, another principle is we have to think long-term. Think long-term. 30 years from now, what story is your current trajectory writing? Maybe right now you're thinking, well, I'll change things up later. You know, I'm single now. I don't got to worry about it. No one else is really dependent on me to be home. It doesn't matter. Or I'll change when I get married. Or I'll change when we have kids. Or I'll change when I retire. Friends, here's the truth. You are forming habits and lifestyles now that will be harder to break the longer you live in them. Don't wait to start making these important changes toward health. Ask yourself, do I want to live like this for the next 30 years? Even the next five years? Heck, maybe even the next five minutes? Okay? If the answer is no... You've got an answer. It's time to change. Don't wait until the pain of changing is so great that it demands you change it. All right, the last key principle here is we work to pace for space is to look and listen. Look and listen. As followers of Jesus, if we're going to change our thinking that God's presence is more important than my productivity— we're going to have to look for God in our daily lives and listen for his voice. Look in. Who are the people that God is bringing into my life? When was the last time that I just looked at the sky and was filled with wonder about God and everything that he made? Listen in. When am I quiet and asking God to speak? Where is there silence in my life? Where are there moments of reflection? Is your pace allowing for the space to look and listen for God? Friends, there are no doubts that our physical health, rest, and pace are playing into our mental and emotional health. And the lie that I can't slow down, it traps us in a pattern of unhealth and anxiety. For us to break the grip of this lie, there are these practical things that we can do, but the faith and trust component in this is huge. In Proverbs, King Solomon reminds us to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I wonder if today these may be the very words we need to hear in order to prioritize our health and to escape from the trap that you feel your pace is creating. The core of this process, for you and for me, is to change our thinking. Is to put our trust in God and not in ourselves. God designed us for rest and for restoration in his presence. 
In fact, God cares so much about our rest and us experiencing his presence that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be forever reconnected to him. Friends, Jesus didn't come so that we could have lives trapped under the weight of anxiety and depression. He came to set us free. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says to us, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you more. No, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Friends, do you have a tired soul today? Bring it to God. Right now, we're going to do something a little different in our service. Something that we don't usually do. You may have uh, been here before and heard some of our other pastors joke that uh, I'm kind of the, the time, I crack the whip on them and give them a hard time. I don't like there to be a lot of dead space in our services. We want things tight and efficient. Well, today, we need some space. For the next several moments, we're going to dim the lights. We're going to play this very gentle music in the background. And we're all going to do exactly what David reminds us to do in Psalm 46, which is to be still and know that I am God. So right now, I'm going to ask you to put everything away. Put the pens back in the chairs. Put your programs down. Put the outlines away. If you got the coffee, put that down on the ground. For the next few moments... We are going to do absolutely nothing except focus on the presence of God. For some of us, this may be the first time we've done it in a long time. For others, it may be the first time you've ever done something like this. And it may feel a little awkward or uncomfortable at first. I just want to say that's okay. We're going to live in that tension for a few moments. We're not going to get up or exit or talk to the people around us. We're just going to silently sit and focus on the presence of God. And after we've had a few moments to do that, I'll come back up and tell you how we're going to go on with our service. So let's begin our quiet time with God now.
you pray with me? God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for this beautiful moment of peace where we can be still and know that you are God and that you are with us here today. God, we recognize our need for you in the busyness of our lives. We know that we need to slow down. Would you help us to focus more on your presence in our lives? To allow our priorities to be determined by what you say and not the lies that the world wants us to believe. Help us to trust you more, God, that we might find your peace for our lives. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your mercy and your grace on us today. And we pray it in your name.